Now I've just been shopping at Finish Line because their status app convinced me to get a half fancy new pair of kicks. Now I'm about to go and speak to two amazing digital marketers about the fantastic growth that Finish Line has had over the last few years in digital to find out how they did it. Before we do that, I need to hightail it over to their Denver HQ. Oh, uh, sorry, I think they're actually based in Boulder. Boulder? Well, it's finish line, so uh, I don't know about you, but I think I'm going to uh, run to Boulder. Oh, is that actually running? Three, two, one. Where is this guy? I don't know, is he like running here or something? Jeez, it's like 15 minutes late. What do they sign us up for now? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, I am so hey! Sorry. Wow, you made it. Yeah, glad you're here. Yeah. Did you run here? You look kind of sweaty. Uh, yes. Oh. <laughs> a little bit of a mix-up on uh, the location, but I was in a finish line store, so I thought I might as well use the sneakers. Fantastic. Yeah, oh, you're look. You're looking yeah. great. At least. Great. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm very sorry. You should have bought some apparel. I look, yeah, I know. I'm a bit you sweaty. Need, you might need some new apparel now. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Alright, in the shop afterwards. <laughs> Today on a special edition of Individuality Unleashed, I am chuffed to be here in the beautiful city of Boulder talking to two fantastic marketers with Ariane and Laura from Finish Line JD Sports. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we've got a lot to talk about today, so I'm going to dive straight in and say, firstly, for our audience out there, could you both introduce yourself and your role uh, for our listeners? Fantastic. Yeah, I'm Ariane Parisi. I am the SVP and Chief Digital Officer of Finish Line and JD Sports North America. And I'm Laura Loesch. I'm our VP of Digital Marketing and Finance. All right. Fantastic. Let's crack on. So um, give us a little bit of a taste. I mean, there's listeners in uh, a number of markets around the world now with Wonderkin's growth. So not everyone will know uh, Finish Line. Some will know JD Sports. Could you give us a little bit of information about the brand uh, and tell us about the company over the last few years? How it got started, where we are today? Sure. Yeah, fantastic. I'd love to. So um, depending on where you sit in the world, you may be familiar with one brand over the other, but uh, we are a U.S.-based organization, and Finish Line is kind of our origin story. It's a heritage sportswear, footwear retailer, uh, mall-based, around 500 stores here in the U.S. Um, long legacy, I don't know how many years, decades, uh, that Finish Line has existed. Yeah, 40. 40 years, yeah. So, um, Wow, it's older than, older than me. <laughs> Yeah, older than all of us in the room. <laughs> Crazy, <laughs> wild. Um, Not even close for me. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, can't even go back that far. So, Finish Line, um, yeah, great, great sneaker and sportswear heritage here in the US. And then we've been kind of a brand in transition. About four years ago, we were acquired by JD Sports, a brand with Manchester heritage and uh, just a global network of thousands of stores all across the world. So, we've been on um, an interesting path of, of growth of trying to introduce and bring the JD brand here to market in the US. Um, so we're kind of well on our way and, and just bringing it to scale. We've got, um, I think we're at 100 stores now. We actually, this summer, just hit our 100 store mark for JD yeah. in the U.S. Um, and then we have a, a digital business at jdsports.com. So 
just just working on um, the growth path for a, a great global brand here in the US. And how has the the growth been over the last few years? I mean, there's there's been a lot going on in the world, but how's that how's that played out? Crazy, un unimaginable. I mean, it's yeah, growing like I would never ever believe it. Yeah, or that we would. Yeah, I mean, I think for COVID was exceptional years for us, and I think I think it's it's very grounding to know that you know. We were we were helping families get sneakers and get what they need to be outside during those really difficult moments and get more healthy. Yeah, I yeah, mean, for uh, sure. All and of us. We thankfully had the supply chain that we were able to ship from stores and whatnot and be able to fulfill those needs. So um, it was it, it was it's been great for sure. So what are the biggest goals then right now from a digital perspective, obviously coming out of the, the pandemic? What's what's what are you what are you what are you working on? What are the biggest focus areas? I would say to be the yeah, the number one footwear retailer out there, right? To to drive the most omni-channel, customer-centric, you know, business that we can. And I'd say that that leads with a a, a great marketing system. You know, we recently launched SMS with Wonderkin and it's been phenomenal for us. Even better than, um, you know, email triggered marketing that we launched with Wonderkin. Um, I think it was a great move for us. We're excited to launch that in store soon. Um, I just think everything needs to be around the customer and right. what the customer wants and where, where, it's easiest for them to convert and get that to them um, is our number one goal, right? Our, our our goal is to be the customer's favorite place to shop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say getting getting kind of into the hearts and minds of consumers. And, um, you know, you're speaking to two digital leaders, but we have a, a major mindset for putting the customer at the center of everything we do and thinking about how digital enables um, online to offline and just everything that kind of centers around that that customer. So um, we're on the path to really, obviously acquisition is a part of it, but retention and frequency and loyalty and making sure we can get um, closer to and and know our customers better and then serve their needs, you know, at every touch point. So. Is that one of the biggest sort of challenges then that you see as an organization? Because like many people have had, you know, there was this huge digital acceleration for many brands over the last, you know, couple of years. Now, you know, the, it's not, it, the same digital acceleration doesn't exist. So it's now going to be who serves the customer best, who builds up the best loyalty, who can actually drive uh, revenue out without this sort of yeah. force majeure that we've had with this sort of pandemic acceleration. So is that kind of right, absolutely top and central of kind of what you guys are focused on? For sure. I would just say it's been a fascinating social experience mm -hmm. to, right. to go through with COVID. And we all know there was this, you know, rapid acceleration of digital, all the buzzwords around um, digital transformation. And thankfully, we were really well positioned right. coming into COVID. And so that helped accelerate um, our business during that period. And now coming out of it, I think we're refocused around it's, it's you know, the customer has indicated that they do want to shop in store. They do care about mm. those experiences, right? And so that has forced us to really kind of reevaluate our priorities and pivot against those. And then I would also say that there are ongoing pressures from, you know, the, the brands that have DTC businesses, right? So how do we create the most value for who we are, which is a multi-branded retailer, um, and serve consumers in ways that a DTC competitor maybe couldn't? That's super fascinating because, you know, you've had such phenomenal digital growth during that period. But then you obviously have this very large, um, you know, in-store retail experience. So, you know, we, we're already seeing lots of data around the growth of DTC. And you can see that DTC-only brands 
They're, yeah. You know, they're in a tough place totally. right now with this yeah. post-pandemic uh, situation that we've got. Whereas those that can actually do the true omni-channel experience and actually pivot to in-store have a bit of a leg up. And we're definitely seeing D2C revenue growing in more of the traditional brands and right. traditional retailers. So it's fascinating to sort of right. see the, the, the mechanics of the market play out like this. Absolutely yeah. agree. Yeah. And it's, it's a little bit counter to what everyone predicted. I think everyone yeah. said like, it's going to go digital and we're not coming back and this acceleration will last forever. So I think that's been fascinating to see kind of a normalization of a trend. Yeah. So. It's, it's how digital complements um, the in-store experience and vice versa. And that's that's a yeah. big challenge for a lot of players out there to get that right. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I would say also a challenge for a CFO that's looking at your your digital marketing spend. Right. And like, just because stores are doing great doesn't mean we should be pulling back, right? Right. It's, we need right. that interaction to, to drive that customer in-store. So yeah. it's looking at that kind of merged um, P&Ls, right? I mean, I can't, I, I, can't imagine, I can't actually remember the last time I made a purchase just from a physical store experience where I hadn't done right. some sort of digital journey online yeah, to check, yeah. stuff out, check stuff out. Yeah, and I think it's something like north of 90% of journeys do start online, right? right? So. Right. I don't think we've ever like centered ourselves in that reality until now, right? right? And yeah. so we're saying, what does that mean? And to Laura's point, there's just so much channel crossover. And so being able to kind of rework our attribution models and understand like, how do we account for that, right? How do we optimize that? Mm -hmm. So so bring it back a, a little bit to kind of digital and your owned channels. Um, you know, how do you see that in your marketing mix? Uh, and how's that sort of, how's that benefited you in terms of the work that you've put in to build those own channels over the last couple of years? Yeah, I'd say we we absolutely separate out our, our acquisition channels. That's where we, we heavily spend to acquire right. those new customers. And then our retain channels where we, you know, really invest in that that brand voice of, of, of selling those core things. Um, I think during COVID, we we were absolutely, you know, over-indexing in the acquisition because we were able to get the product to the customer where a lot of retailers weren't positioned where we were. Um, right. yeah. And and so we were able to to run that acquisition. So our, our focus now has been really to retain those customers that we we were able to acquire during that period. And and that's really been our, our focus. And and obviously we have an, an incredible loyalty program called Status. Right. Um, and that is all about getting our hot product in our, our best customers' hands. Right. It's about not letting the bots get it, not letting anyone, you know, it's you shop with us. You know, we love you. Like, we're going to try and get that to you. Um, obviously, we can't give it to everybody, but that's been our focus of the hottest product we give to our best customers um, and, and really continuing to drive that. Yeah, I would just say costs are rising. Um, the, the, you know, the need to know our customers better and to be able to activate communications with them like on their terms and the ways they want and to make those relationships more and more valuable has just been a focus, right? So status is a major um, priority and driver for us. You know, our our apps for JD Sports and for Finish Line are, are major priorities. And then I would say also just stitching together that customer data and trying to get tighter and tighter against that so that we can really leverage what we know in the right moment, you know, in a, in a very personalized way. Um, a pretty number of marketers out there, you know, on different levels of this journey would probably be interested in, you know, understanding a little bit about how the discussion happened internally in terms of, you know, you guys have, have definitely invested very heavily and done very, very well in things like your loyalty program, in terms of like building out your database, you know, working with folks like WonderKey and on kind of, you know, your triggered messaging across different channels. That all takes investment. 
And quite often that investment is coming away from other channels, you know, traditional advertising, whatever it may be. How, how, did, how did you manage that internally? I would say that we, we think of it as incremental, right. not stealing from another channel. And I would say for me, it was actually a, a, a very good learning of SMS has been incremental for us. I, I have not found that it's stealing. Um, and I, I think that that's huge. I think as leaders, we have to take risks. And I, one of my favorite things about this company is that our, our leaders trust us. And so there's not, I, I don't feel that level of having to convince them of like, we have to take risks. We're going to win some, we're going to lose some, but that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. and, and we have definitely found a lot of success mm-hmm. in the things that we have incrementally done. Cause I think some channels like display that's, that's gone, right? right? There's, there's some channels you're just going to lose, but I also feel you have to be ahead of the curve and, and try things out. Otherwise you're not going to win, you know? Now, is there, has there been any kind of sense of, uh, from a leadership perspective of recognition that as you've built out those own channels, you've built out your database, you've got your loyalty program that's doing so well, that in some ways you've kind of protected the organization against um, what can happen with real rising costs from mm-hmm. advertising perspectives as we've seen on uh, a number of the platforms? I think recognition is hard. <laughs> I think it's, We're giving it now. Yeah, I was now. like, hot, no recognition. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I, I think recognition is hard, though, and I think I, I see this in ourselves, too, yeah. and I think that's if you're in pursuit of what's next and you're always chasing yeah. something better, I personally have – I struggle with acknowledging what we've done and, and the wins that we've created, right? right? You're, I'm, yeah. We're always talking about what are the headwinds? How do we, you know, how do we get after those in the future? And so it's, it's hard to pause and go – Oh, but we built this, and this has been successful. And so, appreciate the reminder. You know, I, I think it's it's great to say it, and I think we have to look at our teams too and say everything you've done in in the prior years has taken us to this point. Um, but I think also, kind of back to your question around how do you decide where to prioritize? I think I think that's also a part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Is like future proofing yourself and not necessarily being obsessed with what's happening now, but trying to see around the corner for what will happen. And put yourself in a position where you're ready for that. And I think we've we've had a track record of success in that so far. But I would say in the day to day, it's hard not to focus on the headwinds, no, right? And yeah. hard not yeah. to focus on yeah. like the challenges. But, now, now yeah. if you do if you do look back though, is there is there kind of one highlight that you think of something you've done as you've kind of unlocked new performance channels or built out your own channels that's had a real big impact on the business? You're like, yeah, that's that's my highlight. I have after bed. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, we've partnered with the best people. We've partnered with the best organizations that, you know, I think we know when to grow something internally and make it homegrown. And we know when to look for expertise outside and bring in, I mean, we like to work with great partners who are great people and are fun to work with. We like to have a lot of fun. So I think we've had some really successful partnerships um, that have helped us accelerate. And then a little credit to Laura and her team. I think the COVID years were there was a lot of fear. I mean, I'm sure all of us, like I, that March 9th or whatever that day was, like yeah. my husband and I looked at each other and we're like, worst case scenario, let's plan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of other retailers backed off, you know, pulled back and and we looked at each other and we hit the gas. So I think we accelerated our key priorities. We still invested capital. We still spent in performance marketing. We said, this is an opportunity. And that very clearly, you know, 
kind of came to fruition for a lot of other players later, mm. but we were very aggressive about that. And I think that that, to me, was a bit of a turning point in terms of how we started to kind of perform and show up in the market. Now, and that's interesting. And, and as you know, many people uh, have fear about kind of the economy right now and what, what's going on. I mean, yeah. do you think some of those same lessons about being bold in the face of, um, you know, a, a true economic uh, disruption is going gonna, is gonna to be something that, that you guys have, have learned and, and will be deploying uh, through hopefully what is not too bad of a recession here? Yeah, I think it's about prioritization. I think yeah. it's about... Um, pulling back where you can and being, you know, fiscally responsible and having a, a backup plan that, you know, you can you can deploy if you need to be conservative. But I think throughout just being steadfast and having your eye on the horizon to what are the key priorities that you want to protect, right? right? I think that's always the hard thing is like, what can you let go of and what do you have to protect? And so I think it's just a constant evaluation of that. And where you can get the most efficiencies for, for sure. the spend you do for have. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Yep. We're seeing a lot of that talk. So let, let's let's come back if you don't mind. That's fantastic, fantastic insights. But I wanted to ask you a couple of questions just to, for our audience to understand a little bit about how Wonderkin actually plays into this much broader, grander strategy that you have, which is doing so well. So give me a, a description in your own words of like, where, where's Wonderkin sort of playing in all of this? I would say Wonderkin um, plays in part of our acquisition strategy, right? We're, we're paying a, a good chunk of our marketing spend to acquire these high value customers in. And, and what we want to focus on is once the customer gets to the site, how do we, we get their information in, in the best way during their shopping experience? So Wonderkin has been able to figure out, has this customer come to our site? Have they not? Do we know them? Capture their email, capture, you know, their, their phone number for text messaging. If we know them, don't bother them. Um, if they put something in their cart, how do we re-engage them? Um, because really we look at, okay, if we're paying to get this customer to the site, let's get that customer's information. If they're going to convert, let's get them in our loyalty program. So we, we follow those steps and Wonderkin's been able to step in and easily turn on part of that acquisition phase. Oh, fantastic. And from a tactical perspective, have you seen any benefits of having kind of text and email triggered solutions under the same roof? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, from a, I, I would say from a conversion perspective, yes, like consumers love the text messaging. They convert so much faster. From a, a technical perspective, the reason why we went with Wonderkin was to make that journey, right? You know, make that journey seamless. So if we have their email, they don't get that pop up. If, you know, I think that's perfect. That's, you know, you can cut this part if you want, but that's why we didn't go with Attentive. Because we, if, if a customer comes to our site and we have their email, I don't want them to get that email pop up. I want them to get that text right. message and carry on, right? right? Mm -hmm. Like there's, we are all about the customer making their journey as seamless as possible and wonder can makes that happen, right? There's no reason for anyone to get any pop-ups if we know them. Well, uh, Ariane, Laura, thank you very much for doing this today. Um, I do need to bring the podcast to a close because um, 
I need to run back to Denver. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll you'll be in good company on the trails out here. Lots of running. That, that is there, true. So. This is yeah. one place where running to Denver is it's not, not a crazy. Yeah, <laughs> <thing to suggest. laughs> you'll fit right in. Race back to Denver. Let's go. I'm yeah. pretty sure I'm going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure you'll lose. <laughs> if I was in it, you'd win. So I'll keep my that. I'll keep my heels on today. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right, perfect. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, that's the end of another session of Individuality Unleashed. Stay tuned for more great insights from great marketers. See you all soon.